today's psalm is really a picture of the prayers of people when they're hurting. And what we see as an example in David is a turning to God when everybody else has turned against him, his family, the people that he knows in the community, when he feels so alone, we can see that God's presence is with him. And it's in his presence that David experiences peace. And then in turn, he, as an overflow of his heart, is proclaiming to others the peace that comes from being in God's presence. So I pray that today is a blessing for you and you remember it the next time you're going through a hard time. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are going to be doing our devotional reading of Psalm 31. This is a Psalm of David. And you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. 
My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though they were dead, as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men, on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them from the intrigues of men. In your dwelling you keep them safe from accusing tongues." Praise be to the Lord, for he has showed his wonderful love to me. When I was in a besieged city, in my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 31. This psalm essentially is a personal prayer from David to God, really expressing some distress and, and sorrow because of his enemies. Likely, it's because of some either moral failure or perhaps illness. But what he's experiencing, experiencing is a rejection by his friends. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah uses a phrase from the psalm to express his sorrow and his fear. And Jesus also quoted from this psalm in his in the opening words of verse 5. It says, into your hands I commit my spirit. That is what Jesus said while he was dying on the cross. So this prayer expresses a desperate cry of essentially all followers of God who are suffering either because of illness or trouble or opposition from the world or even spiritual enemies. And it reveals to us that in times of deep trouble, we can hide in what scripture says in verse 20, in the shelter of your presence. One of the things that I appreciate so much about the Psalms is the reality of the emotions that are present in the human experience. I think before I started studying the Psalms, I just had this idea that um, the Psalms were just praises or maybe even just lessons. And I didn't recognize the human emotion that we saw there. Um, and what we're seeing in Psalm 31 is there's this personal setback that David is having. And that is so common to our human experiences. And not only that, but the rejection that is felt by our friends when there has been some sort of trouble arising, whether it is our own moral failure or just circumstances. Um, I appreciate so much that we see this in the pages of scripture. And 
what what the scholars agree that we see throughout the psalm, we'll get into it here in a minute, is that it's likely that David's eventual recovery from this situation led him back to the temple. And there he celebrated with fellow worshipers. And so what's likely to have happened, what we see in verses 18 and 19, is there was some sort of prophetic or even maybe a priestly answer, even though we don't necessarily see what that was. But there was something that changed things for David that that happened to him when he was in, in the temple. We see that by the change in his words. And so this leads David to a final section where we see him giving thanks and praising And then that also results in his public witness to God's mercy in his worship. And so he talks about the saints, his fellow worshipers. He's imploring them to love the Lord. And if I think about my own life, I think about different times in my life where I've had a struggle. And the thing that gets me through that struggle is a prophetic word from the Lord. Whether it's in the temple, like like what David experienced, meaning for our version, that would be the church. Whether it's in a moment of worship or um, what would be likely, like what it, when it's talking about a prophetic word or a priestly word is, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but if you've gone to church and the sermon feels like it's exactly for you. And even though the preacher knows nothing about your current situation, couldn't have known, but yet that word is specifically for you. That's a prophetic word where where the Holy Spirit himself is ministering to you in that situation. And and one of the things that's so neat about that is that that can be happening for multiple people that are going through multiple experiences. And the way that the Holy Spirit works is he uses that word to minister to our hearts effectively. And um, the response of our heart in those moments is worship. And so that's exactly what we're seeing in the Psalm of David. In verse five, I want to read it again. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. Like I said before, these were Jesus's last words before his death. We see that in Luke chapter 23. And so faithful followers of Jesus have often used these words before dying. I've seen that personally. Um, And really what it is, is this expression of dependence on God and faith in his goodness to the very end. And so by committing ourselves into God's care, it's appropriate during any time of danger or difficulty or any time we're going through something that's hard, um, that feels like we can't do it on our own, we can commit our spirit into God's hands. And I love the picture that we see there because... Um, the, the word spirit, ruah, um, that was David referring to his life, but it's more than what is represented here. Um, it it really means this whole conscious experience of, of being human, not just our physical life, but, but everything that we experience, mind, body, soul, and spirit, it's really a commitment of everything that David is saying. And that word deliver um, which is a, a verb, it, it is really a petition that God deliver him from this crisis. And and again, we don't know if, if this is illness or perhaps political danger, but a faithful God is the one who can be re- relied on because of who God is. And that continues to be true for us as well. 
I, there's been several seasons in my life. The most recent season in my life where I've experienced something similar was um, probably about two or three years ago. And it was a situation where I was making moves in response to what God was calling me to do. There was a situation where um, there was... I don't even know how to describe it. There was a situation where people that were believers that were supposed to be living a godly lifestyle and doing things that they knew to to be pursuing righteousness, they were not living, they were living contrary to the Christian life. Let's just put it that way. And there was no recourse. There was no way, even when I tried to speak into that situation, um, it, I was ignored, and not only ignored, but then made to look like I was a, a crazy person. And then as others started to recognize that situation and speak into that situation, the same thing happened to them. And so in a, a desire to be obedient to, to what the Holy Spirit was prompting, I made a move uh, that a lot of people did not understand. And in that move, there was what felt like slander, what felt like ridicule, what felt like I'm sure of what David is experiencing, his friends, you know, talking bad about him. Um, mainly because I did not divulge the gossip or I just let God deal with things. I just let God, I, I, I made my move and then I let God deal with things. And essentially that was my prayer. Okay, Lord, I, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. You are the God of the truth. Eventually the truth will come out. I'm going to follow you regardless of the cost. And sometimes when you are making the right decision, according to God's standard and God's truth, it's a lonely place. It can be a very lonely place when you're being obedient to God. Thankfully, that for me, that was temporary. Um, eventually you know, rather quickly within several months, um, it, it became clear that, that my decision-making was justified. Um, but in that time frame in between, there was just this feeling of, uh, abandonment from, from those around us. And, uh, in verse eight, I think it speaks to this a little bit. It says, you have not handed me over to the enemy, but has set my feet in a spacious place. That word spacious place in, in the Hebrew, it's really doing two things. It's speaking yes to the spacious place that he's in, meaning there's room to, you know, breathing room essentially, but it's contrasting the opposite, which is the narrow path. And, you know, we know from scripture, always we always hear, you know, to go down the narrow path, it's, it's often equated to the Christian life. Um, in this reference it's it's usually referencing like being on the side of a cliff where your footing is not very sure um and, and especially when there is a pursuit of an enemy and remember a lot of david's wording a lot of david's imagery especially actually it doesn't really seem to matter if he's going through something personal or if it's a military issue because david was a man of war he was a constantly in that frame of mind he uses a lot of this language that talks about the enemy pursuing or chasing or those kinds of things this is essentially what we're what we're understanding 
when we consider this in the Hebrew. And so if we're looking at going from a narrow place to a broad place, it's a path of relief. So when he's talking about a spacious place, it's a, it's a place of relief. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that in your situations, but I have. I, when I've gotten to a place where God has put my feet in a place of having breathing room and a little bit of relief, it is welcome. It is welcome, especially after feeling closed in and just this idea of being misunderstood to being understood or, or vindicated. I, th- I think that's what we're, we're getting from David. Down in verse 11, it says, Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's happened to me. Where... You know, people will see you at Walmart and they avoid you or they pretend they don't see you or they look the other way. But yet maybe like a year later, you're the one that they're coming to for help because they've experienced very much the same thing. That's kind of what I see here. Um, And really, verse 11 gives us a snapshot of how the ancient cities would have been laid out. So the Hebrew word for street it also carries the sense of marketplace. So the cities in that culture were very, very small and the streets were very, very narrow. So the marketplace, which was usually at the city gate um, and the temple court, they were the places where it would be spacious enough to allow for a a crowd to gather. And so uh, I think about that in terms of what this says, because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I'm a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I, th- I think about that um, in our community, our small town community. I think about that even in situations where if somebody says something falsely against you or sometimes illness can do that where um, people look at you differently when they know that you have had an illness or sometimes um, even just the condition that you're in, the spiritual condition that you're in for people that have experienced depression or anxiety uh, that, that can, even if that's not actually happening, it can feel like that's happening. And so I appreciate so much that we can see David's perspective throughout the Psalm. And it speaks to those situations that we experience ourselves in a culture, in the culture that David was writing this in, they would associate any kind of affliction with this sort of divine punishment. So much so that even friends might withdraw from you if if they knew that you were experiencing an affliction. Because they didn't want your spiritual condition to affect them. And so whether or not this literally happened in each circumstance behind this psalm in particular, that's not really relevant. What's relevant is expressions of this kind hold the stereotypical language in the psalms that goes along with suffering. And there are a lot of cultures that are still like that. I work in a lot of cultures across the world. And in a lot of cultures, this idea of affliction, whether it is self-induced or not, whether it's an illness or an injury or a consequence to sin or something like that, it is seen as really 
um, a spiritual condition that could contaminate somebody else. And so um, I, I would hope that that wouldn't be happening in today's churches. But to be perfectly honest, it does. I, I mean, I, I remember very clearly um, a, a friend whose child was sick. Uh, very, very sick. And it became public knowledge. And the Christian circle talk was, well, I wonder if the mom and dad are in sin and this is God's punishment on this child. Now that is bad theology all the way around, but this was like a year or two ago that, that we were hearing things like that. So it's still... Even if it's not preached in pulpits, it's still something that goes through people's minds. And, you know, honestly, this side of heaven, we won't know the truth of it. I know that that's not consistent with a God that's full of grace and compassion and love. And I know that if the children would be spiritually punished for the sins of the father, I, I would have been in a heap of trouble because of my parents. And so um, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Although, you know, there are situations where, you know, because there is a consequence to our sin, that can have consequences for our families. You know, if there's a, a couple that is unfaithful to each other and then there's a divorce or something like that, that's going to have consequences for the children. So I'm not ignorant to that, but I don't necessarily think that an illness of a child is, is because of the sin of the parent. Um, but that was what would happen in, in the time that David was writing this. And there's a lot of cultures in our world today that still believe that. Verse 13, for I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. Terror on every side and this idea of conspiring and plotting. Um, it's a slanderous word when it's talking about terror on every side. It's a slanderous word that is being dispersed in order to generate fear. And so there's a similar expression used in that verb conspire. It has the same root word. And it's used in Psalm 2. It's used a couple different places. But it's really describing um, almost like a foreign rebellion forming against the king, that plot. And there's an evil intention there. And um, I don't know if you've ever been a victim of that or if you've perpetuated that. But that's what David is experiencing here, this this idea of um, a lot of people talking bad about him on purpose to cause fear in his life. And uh, that's a terrible place to be. If you've ever experienced it, it's a really terrible place to be. Verse 17, let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I have cried out to you, but let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. Let the wicked be put to shame. So in answer to this prayer that David has against his enemies, would confirm his trust in God and really bring his problem to resolution. And when we jump down to verse 21 and 22, it seems like that answer has come. 21 says, Praise be to the Lord, for he has showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. You have heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. There is nothing like feeling vindicated when the Lord himself has stood in the gap to speak on your behalf. 
And, and that's really the place that we find our vindication, regardless if people change their minds about us, regardless if people eventually find out the truth of a situation. What really matters is the fact that God vindicates us and the, and the fact that God sees us and sees what's going on. And, and I'll tell you, um, for the situation I experienced in the mid, in the middle of all that, even though that was what was going on locally at the time, I had a very uh, well-known, well-respected minister from from another state reach out to me and kind of just mentor me through that situation and said, you know what, this is not the first time this is, this might be the first time this has happened to you, but it's not going to be the last time because the fact is, is the enemy is upset with the work that you're doing and you need to keep going because you're, the truth will be found out. And even if it's not, God knows the truth and keep going. And honestly, even just him speaking into that um, situation for me, it was, it was really what I imagine David kind of experienced um, when he either had a prophetic answer or a priestly answer where, where the Holy Spirit used somebody or a situation to speak peace into his life over a certain situation to the point where like in my life, it just didn't even matter anymore. It didn't matter what other people said, because not only did I know that God was okay with me, but other people outside of my immediate circle were applauding the decisions that I had made. And so all of that to say, I think that that is where we need to hone in on our comfort and our peace and our vindication is in front of the Lord. And understanding that when, regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of the situation or the circumstances that, that have put us maybe in a negative light in and around those that are surrounding us, that we can lean into what God says about us. And you know what? Worst case scenario, say that you're in this situation because of your own sin. We have a God of second chances. And it would be ignorant to think that we're not all going to end up in that place at one point in time. We're human. That's why we need Jesus in the first place. And so try as we may to pursue this life of righteousness and obedience to God, we're human and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to mess up. And sometimes the people we thought were friends were going to talk about us behind our back. That's the reality of the human experience, whether it is about something we ourselves did, or maybe it's jealousy or whatever it is. That's, that's the human experience. But I think the encouragement that I want to rest on before I read this again is in verse 24. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Based on David's experience of answered prayer, we see language that is very similar to Joshua's call to Israel. And David is confidently calling upon his fellow worshipers and the, the people that are in his circle of influence to be strong and take heart. We see that used in Deuteronomy when Moses is speaking to Israel. We see it um, when Joshua is in conquest and we see it later on in the Psalms as well, this idea of being strong and taking heart and hoping in the Lord. So that is what I, my prayer for you today, that you would be strong and take heart all you who hope in the Lord. So I'm going to reread it again. 
In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock and refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set before me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, and my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and pursue, and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. Let their lying lips be silenced. For with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men, on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them from the intrigues of men. In your dwelling you keep them safe from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. In my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord." Lord God, right now, help us to be strong and take heart as we put our hope in you. God, I I thank you that we can see in the pages of scripture that this human experience that we've all had is not something that is foreign to David and, and that it's not something that's foreign to you, that when we experience these negative things in our lives, God, help us to come to you. Help us to recognize that you are the answer and that in you we can find peace. Lord, I pray for my friends right now that might be going through something difficult, whether it is an illness or a cir- circumstance or a situation that they may have created themselves. Lord God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for the peace that comes from being in your presence. Lord, help us to recognize that the change we see in David is a result of being in your presence, God. We thank you for godly leaders and godly worship leaders. And Lord, I ask right now that for my friends that might be going through something similar, that that you would intervene on their behalf, that your presence would be with them right now, Lord God, that they would sense relief, a feeling of being in a spacious place because of who you are and the way that you continue to vindicate them, to forgive them, to pursue them, to be with them, to give them your peace. Lord, I thank you for your presence and the way that you continue to reveal yourself through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Hey friends, before we go, I just want to tell you about a couple resources that are available to you. The first two are free. On my website, shehears.org, there's a free one-week devotional on the desires of the heart, and that is there completely free for you. I pray that that blesses you and you can take advantage of that. And then every Monday, we have a newsletter that goes out that has some journal prompting questions that go along with the podcast episodes, because I think journaling is a way to help us get the information from our head into our hearts. And so that, again, is completely free. And then also the the Facebook group. In the Facebook group, it's the Christian Women's Daily Bible Study Group on Facebook. That is a completely free community. I did a live in there yesterday. It's a place for me to answer questions or to get prayer or accountability or just have some community for Christian women. So all of those are completely free. And then also, if you have already done the She Hears Bible Study and you're wondering what's next, um, don't worry, I am writing more studies. But in the meantime, one of the things that the She Hears Bible Study does is it gives you the tools that you need to to transfer that color method of study to other passages of scripture. So on my website, I have a bunch of resources for you if you are looking for this, okay, what's next? There is the Bible journals, which is what I personally use. They're beautiful. There's a gospel set there. And those are easy because they're small. You can throw them in a bag that and your highlighters or a pen and, and you're good to go. And then there's also some note-taking Bibles or journaling Bibles. So if you want to do the color method right in your Bible, but you don't want to write in your study Bible, it is Bibles that are dedicated with space for note-taking and journaling. It's perfect for doing the color method. Or if you were somebody that wants to dig a little bit deeper and you don't have a study Bible, we have those as well. So lots of different resources. There's some like uh, books of the Bible bookmarks on there to make it easy to find your way around your Bible. All resources that I put on there specifically to help you grow in your spiritual journey to hearing God's voice more clearly. So I pray that those things are a blessing to you. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.